This is a Danger Entertainment Podcast. DangerEntertainment.net Danger Entertainment Podcast Network. Transmission commencing. This is Wookiee Radio. Translated for the Wookiee Affair. I like that Wookiee. Your hosts, Ken, Derek, and Mike, bring you the latest news and commentary from the far reaches of the galaxy. Uh, hold it. Hold it. I said hold it. Subscribe today on iTunes and Stitcher. I just assumed this I'm working. Start listening today, and remember, the Force will be with you, always. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. Produced with podcasting gear from Tascam, including the Tascam Mini Studio. Trust your audio to Tascam. Sound thinking. Microphones and headphones provided by CAD Audio. CAD Audio, expression through innovation. Crisis for the geek kind. Top geek officials admit they underestimated the hipster's defense capability. Geeks from all over the globe are joining up to fight for the future. They're doing their part. Are you? Join Weeby Geeks and the Geek Revolution and save the world. Service guarantees citizenship. Want to know more? Do not attempt to adjust your device. This is Extreme Freedom Audio Bulletin. It cannot be traced, it cannot be stopped, and it is the only free voice left. Welcome to another episode of Weeby Geeks. It is the Dashing Duo, Derek and myself, Mike. And this week, we are being joined by the cast and director of an independent film called Crypsis. I hope I pronounced that right. So we have Paul, Eddie, Anthony, Taylor, and Mike. How's everyone doing? Going doing well. So I'll throw, I will throw this out there as a pop-up question to whoever wants to answer. And y'all, can answer it. y'all all can answer in your own way. If you, what's the movie about? Since it's not out yet, and we could tease the tease our listeners. Paul refers to it as a creature flick. So I thought we were calling it a creature feature. I like I like the rhyme. Creature feature. Yeah. <laughs> creature feature. I, I don't know. Honestly, we we've all worked on it. We don't even know what it's about. Weird, right? <laughs> I'm still waiting to see the damn thing. You, you, you want uh, a link to the screener? <laughs> sure. <laughs> the, base, the basic gist of Crypsis is um, it's about a bunch of friends who make a bet to see who can survive the longest on the island. And unbeknownst to them, there's uh, a creature lurking, uh, and it becomes a whole game of survival and hide-and-seek. Okay. Yeah. I concur. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, it takes place in the woods too. Yeah, oh yeah, there's lots of woods. That was, in the deep woods. Yeah, <laughs> lots lots of weeks in the woods filming that. That was great. On on an island. Yeah. And we filmed it in May too when it was like raining hard. I liked my uh, I, I think the bar scene was my favorite. That was my first night on set. That was that was a cool night, guys. <laughs> That was a good good night. Yeah. Oh, what's up? Oh, I don't know. Audio's lagging on my side. Is we good? Oh, oh, we're good. Yeah. Oh, just kidding. So, Paul, coming from the director, what's the movie about? Um, so we can see how well I your think, cast did. I think they did pretty good. Um, I was always fascinated growing up uh, with like friendly bets in general. You know, you're just at a bar, or you're at a restaurant, and. <clears throat> 
you know, someone dares you to eat the spicy mustard or something. And then kind of this film takes betting to the next level where all the little things that can go wrong do. And uh, what starts off as an innocent bet between friends spirals into much, much more. And um, we end up putting all these guys in a very stressful situation and they all react very differently. Um, and they got all band together somehow to to make it through the night. So um, I was always fascinated between like bets with friends and how things can start off very innocently, but spiral completely out of control. Okay. Um, how did you decide to cast these gentlemen for the movie? <clears throat> so I needed a magician. So I picked Anthony. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. Huh? You guys can't tell, but I'm doing magic right now. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. How did I pick between the cast? Um, New England in general has has a great talent pool uh, when it comes to uh, actors, actresses, you know, across the board. Um, I did and podcast. What? I said and podcasters. And podcasters. <laughs> Don't forget. Um, but uh, no, I, I did a bunch of homework and research looking looking um, at cast and crew and uh, did it all myself. Kind of met everybody one by one, see if they fit the roles and then kind of put them together and see how the chemistry fit. Um, we ended up doing pre-production for a good six months, eight months or so of working the script. Um, and, yeah, I mean, we probably locked in the cast a couple months before shooting. Um, but, yeah, casting was, was fun. We did a bunch of, like, auditions and takes and everybody meeting and everything. Um, we were all kind of pretty green to start with. Um, I would say at the time, the most seasoned one was probably Eddie. I know that may shock everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, we met in October, right? And then we shot it the following May, right? Yeah. So that was about six months later. Weren't, I mean, I think the only original person you cast that got stuck in that role was Eddie. Everybody else was recast, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Because some other guy had this role before I took it. Yeah. Yeah. And then Mike same with always, Mike always Mike had Brandon. Oh, he did. Oh, must be yep. nice. Cool. Yep. Uh, I, was, I was plan B. <laughs> C, D, E, but who's counting? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So where did you actually film it then? So we, we filmed in Gloucester. Um, yeah, probably, nice. yeah, 45 minutes or so north of Boston. Um, our producer was from Gloucester and he, uh, he helped greatly with all the locations and stuff. Um, you know, Mike, what was his name? Bobby Turner. Yeah. What, oh, yeah Bobby, what was this? Bobby two bucks? <laughs> no, Bobby Turner. I just, I just pour the drinks. I don't make the prices. You might use it all the time. <laughs> that was your line, man. <laughs> Um, yeah, we were we were in the the deep woods of Gloucester. It was, it was it was cold and freezing, so we spent a lot of uh, the, the the takes in between huddling for body warmth. And, uh, oh my situation god! Situation of that it builds lifelong friendships. <laughs> yeah, it was Definitely. still cold. It was like May too, wasn't it? May and it was still yeah. pretty cold at night. Nuts. Yeah, cold yeah. May nights, rainy. What was it? Raining for the first like yeah. ten days of filming, mm-hmm. overnights. Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, well, yeah, you, that's right on the coast too. So, yeah, I came back with a beautiful tick bite in the middle of my back. I was going to ask like, about ticks, like <laughs> like a big old tick bite. Uh, so, actual filming took about how long? 
three weeks. Yeah, 20, 22 days, 23 days, yeah. Okay. The count and the pickup days? Oh, yeah, we had a couple of reshoots and pickup days. Well, there was a couple of reshoots, yeah, B, some B-roll and stuff. I think there was like three. Yeah. Felt more. I think I think it was like over thirty days in total, don't you think? With like ADR too, you count that? Probably close yeah. to that. Yeah. yeah, thirty in total to get it done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Paul, I did some voiceover in the city for you here too. That's right, you did. Yeah, that was a while ago too. That's right. Okay, so how did you come up, or why Cripsis? Why this type of story? Um, <clears throat> so I lived in LA for five years. Um. And in that time, I had a handful of fellow actors, actresses, writers, directors, producers that, um, you know, people finding their way in the industry and kind of learning how to get better. And and, uh, I had a few that had some really great success and still do. Um, And so as I kind of saw a few of my colleagues become really successful, I kind of really started to think whether it was actually even really possible to kind of like really make it in the film industry. So it gave me that little glimmer of hope that uh, you actually can really make it. So I started developing the idea um, to probably write and direct my own first feature. Uh, Landed on the the horror genre, um, knowing that it's easily marketable. Um, There's definitely uh, plenty of people who gravitate towards the genre and um, easily pitchable, marketable. So I kind of landed on that. And um, next thing I know, I came home and met up with uh, a special effects guy who actually lives uh, in Woburn. Um, He's right off 95. And we started talking about designing a a creature suit. And um, he actually did a great job. He had a team of probably, I think it probably ended up being about 15 people uh, that worked on the creature build for, I mean, I would say the build itself was probably nine weeks. Um, You know, concept kind of started in February. Design work started in February. And uh, he ended up flying colleagues of his in from New York and L.A. to work on different aspects of the creature. Um, And all these guys never did see the creature until they got on set. That was one of my fast rules was not to show them anything until they had to see it. It looked really good, too. Thank you. I didn't do a damn thing. <laughs> well, you helped with the design, didn't you? I, I think you inspired it. Yeah, I, I did. Yeah, we went back and forth on the kind of the design of the creature. Um, <clears throat> you know, Ben, Ben and me talked about like what what I want to see in the film or or, uh, you know, what my vision was. And, and basically all I said to him, I said, well, design what you would think is the scariest thing imaginable that if you saw it in the middle of the woods, you would basically run in the other direction as fast as you can. And so he took that and ran with it, and the the design and concept of what you see is what we ended up with. Okay. So what did you guys all think when you first saw it, the creature? Well, we'll start with Tyler. Um, well, I think the, the coolest part for me was I'd seen it a bunch, but then my death scene when I was actually being, like, propped up and held by the throat, and I was, like, a couple inches from its face and they put all the like the touch-ups right before the camera rolled to see it like oozing and really just like the intensity of um mm-hmm. uh what's the creature guy's name dave his um his great face work inside the great mask work he did it was really um i was like if the camera captures this the way i'm seeing it the audience is going to respond really well because it really was uh 
uniquely terrifying face to um, to behold. So um, I'd seen it from you know several times up to that on set, but actually being that close to it, um, it really brought it to life for me. So I was like, this is gonna this is gonna play really well to the audience when they get this close to it in various scenes. Okay. Uh, Michael or Mike, what about you? Yeah, I mean, for me, I mean. The suit is that suit was Hollywood quality. So I mean, the, I mean, the, yeah, it was just amazing to look at. But besides that, I think I think what the the ticker for me was the actor. Uh, he never broke character even when we weren't shooting. He was always fucking weird. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I think that that for me, I think yeah, it, it, there was like a there was like a creepiness to it, kind of. Okay, uh, Anthony. Uh, so Paul was trying to go method on us and reveal the, the creature last minute. I, it, he caught me at a weird time because <clears throat> during that season, I was working on a ton of horror movies. Um, Brad, so, <laughs> 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 I'm blessed. Uh, no, it was it was a good season for that. But uh, before that, I was actually touring with Ringling Brothers, so I was used to a lot of creature work and costume work. So. Rather being more like spooked on, I just I, I kind of looked at the creature. I was like, oh, this is I, I admire the work and uh, give props to Dave Racky who played the creature. I, I think he was sitting in the makeup chair every day for like four to six hours. Wow! And there's yeah. like six people working on him. Like you know, we had one guy just working on the hands, one guy just working on the teeth, the eyes. Um, and that was a crazy suit. Yeah. So props to Ben Bornstein and his team for creating that. Um, yeah. It's, 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 I don't know. When I think of a creature like in the woods, I think that's what I imagine. It was like a very like mystical like what like an old being stuck in the woods like what would he look like you know like father time maybe like in real life that's what the creature kind of represents for me um so that's that's my thoughts on it uh eddie yeah no um i think well yeah paul did a great job of keeping keeping it under wraps in its trailer for you know before we actually ever saw the thing and then when he finally played in a scene and I forget. I'm trying to remember like how we shot it, the sequence we shot it in. But um, I mean, once he got out the, out of the trailer, it was like, oh, there it is, and it was it was awesome. And they did a hell of a job with the suit and the design. And I mean, just the intricacies of touching it up for every little take. And like this little spot on the shoulder needs to be oozing whatever it's oozing. Like it, it's incredible what they did. But um, I I just got comfortable with the thing on set i was like this is like this is my boy now we're chilling with you know we're we're, we're acting and we're we're playing the part right so is it yeah does it read terrifying on camera absolutely and i think i think dave with some really good coaching of how to you know move in the suit well i think it, it just it came together really well Oh, I forgot. This was Dave's first job, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, he killed it as a creature. I mean, it, it came natural. The way, yeah, because we, we didn't really have a, a set, a, a established way how the creature was going to move. He kind of just figured it out as we went. Yeah. I know. You, yeah, you Dave, could kind of, like, see his breath. Like, if like on some nights, like, like he would be breathing so heavy, the breath would be coming out. And then, uh, cool. Paul, I think you, you – Paul, you had, like, an eye doctor on set to do the eyes, right, for the actor. <clears throat> So Dave, um, Dave is actually not in the film industry at all. Uh, he was never an actor, never planned to be. Um, he was actually a really good friend of Ben Bornstein, the guy that designed the creature suit. Um, we had an actor lined up actually out of Rhode Island um, that was seven feet tall. Oh, wow. And oh. Uh, 
as I say, I want a big, you know, scary creature. I want a massive, huge, you know, <laughs> big being that's just going to terrorize everybody. You, you want and, that? You want that horror, Chewbacca? Yes. No sense. I want a seven foot scary Wookiee like creature. Um, but uh, so when Ben, we, we brought up uh, uh, the kid's name was Larry. We brought him up to do a kind of a, a suit fitting, and um, as he was kind of. <laughs> Getting getting prepared for the role, um, Ben pulled me aside and was like, "I love Larry. He's really big. He is a big kid." And he said, "Look, he's like, if we build a suit for him, it's not gonna look the way you want it to look. Like if your creature is supposed to be fast and quiet and sly and and shifty, um, Larry's too big for it." And I said, "Okay, well, we don't have anybody. What do you want to do?" And he's like, "Actually, he's like." One of my best friends who's a local kid, uh, we call him Lanky. Uh, he doesn't know anything about film. He's never been in the film, but physically he's the exact shape that we want. He was like 6'6", like 120 pounds. And Ben was saying that when you add 30 or 40 pounds of like suit makeup, he would be the perfect size. So uh, I ended up talking to Dave and I was like, uh, hey, so Dave, what's going on? Do you want to be in a creature suit? And he was like... Uh, I guess, but I'm moving to California in a couple of months. So if we can do it before that, yeah, sure. I'll do whatever. I said, okay, cool. So we, uh, we put him in the suit. I, I see Derek smiling. I don't know if it's because of the story or because there's someone else from Massachusetts that he can relate to. <laughs> Maybe a little both. <laughs> so, but there's, there's one thing I got to ask. I got to ask you guys about because I've been I've been wanting to ask this since I saw this scene. So tell me about the worm eating scene. Oh damn it! <laughs> oh. Oh, Eddie, you want to talk about that first or me? You go first. Uh, I'll talk about it all day long. So the worm eating scene is uh, was a lot of fun. I have no problem doing disgusting things, eating disgusting things. You could. It's because you're from Rhode Island. That's why. Yeah. Like, I've <laughs> just for shits and giggles, I've taken, like, a kernels of popcorn with ants all over them and just, like, eating them just to get a rise out of people. So, like, they were big-ass slimy worms, though. They were huge. They were real? They were, like, legit night crawlers, like, that oh, extended. Now, now yeah, they found them. They found them in the woods. They sent some PAs out in the in the woods. They were like, hey, we need the worm scenes up next. Can you find some? And I remember they, they got a cup full of these worms. They weren't even washed yet. <laughs> and then they were like, just pick one. I remember Eddie pulled one out. It was, like, 10 inches long. And then mine was, like, about the same. And I was, like, still writhing. And I was, like, screw this. Like, <laughs> I, t- I took the pan and I threw the worm <laughs> in it and then put it over the fire. So I was like, I'm not moving. I'm eating something that's still moving. <laughs> yeah, I think then they give them a little rinse in water, and I think we did some minimal research to make sure that it's actually okay to eat worms, and you're not gonna, you know, get sick or anything like no, that. So no, it's perfectly okay. I remember my one worm eating experience was when I was at scout camp and was part of uh, wilderness survival. But I learned the trick that pack a syringe with Kool Aid and you inject Ooh. them and makes them a little bit better that's genius no way so we we snuck actual insulin syringes filled with kool-aid so when we got the worms like jacked <laughs> okay time to eat the worm cool pop still Aww. slimy but the kool-aid made them a little bit better yeah that's gross so <clears throat> the worm scene um <clears throat> 
as we went through pre-production reading the script, um, I said to Anthony and Eddie, I said, look, they're going to be real worms, just so we're clear. I was like, <laughs> we can't really fake that. Uh, at the time, they were both okay with it. Um, so when we got on set, <laughs> so when we got on set, I uh, and that was actually that was one of the first scenes we shot. I, I don't know if it, was, it might not have been the first day, but it was been the first day or two that we shot the worm scene. And uh, <clears throat> so before we did it, I made them a promise that I too would eat a worm. You know, a good morale <laughs> booster. So sure enough, I, as right before we shot the scene, <clears throat> I had someone go get me a worm. I ate it. There's a video out there somewhere. I haven't seen it, but there is. And <laughs> so we get Eddie and Anthony, you know, some worms. And they were really tiny at the time. They were, like, really small. And someone, a crew camera was like, they're too small. We can't see them. <laughs> <laughs> so it might have been Bobby Turner that, like, came back five minutes later with just these. I, I couldn't find a worm that big if I tried. And I'm telling you, this thing wasn't, what, 15 inches? More than a foot. I mean, you'll see it. It's in the film, and it's disgusting. Um, Eddie ended up doing a very great job, and he uh, he actually ate a few of them. He did a few different takes and just oh, wow. really just owned it. Um, <laughs> we got Anthony to do one take. Yeah, it's a real reaction you see on film. That's it. It's very real, and that's the take that makes it <laughs> one and done. So you saved money on All I know is one hour. <laughs> Pretty much. When I was watching it, all I kept thinking to myself was, "That can't be real. That, that can't be real worms." Of course, it was. It's low budget. Oh. <laughs> no, there, there's a difference between fake worms and real worms. <laughs> Even in that, right? And yeah, I, I was chuckling the whole time. Sorry, guys. <laughs> That's why I had to ask. I had to know how it was done because I couldn't believe you guys actually ate worms. And now I'm surprised to hear it. <laughs> oh, yeah, those were some but good job. Worms. <laughs> That's the reason why I quit acting because of that worm scene. <laughs> <laughs> but you did so good. <laughs> That's it. And, and my career on a good note. <laughs> So what were what was one of y'all's favorite moments on set during the? I'll be honest, I loved I loved doing all the action stuff. I got to do a lot of action stuff, and it was just a lot of fun. A lot of running through woods with fires, and just had a blast doing it. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree. I I think. Oh, go ahead, Mike. Sorry, I was gonna say no. I I think I I really loved the bar scene. I mean, it was really well done. The way it was lit, the way it was shot. Um, there was so much craft that went into it from a from a, a crew standpoint, and I think it reflects that in the opening of the film. Go ahead, you had real arms. Did you have real beer? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we did. I, I think some of my favorite moments were the uh, the accidental moments where it was like sun was coming up, we were losing light, and then there'd be like a bush nearby, and then Paul would be like, "Oh, I, I see something right here. Just jump in there, and we'll film it anyways." Uh, just a little like magic moments like that. Um, I don't know. There's there a lot of those actually. I just can't recall yeah. of them. It, yeah, because like I mean, there, there were a lot of different things we found in those woods, and some of it just looked great on film. We were just like, just do it, go for it right now. Mm-hmm. What about you, Tom? I, I think it was a great, uh, great learning experience. Uh, like Paul said, uh, some of us uh, were pretty green. Uh, for me, it was 
I grew up doing theater, but it was, I, I'd only done one short film. So this was like literally my second film and it was a feature. And while Paul casted local green, he's frozen with fear. Phone <laughs> <laughs> dad. Oh, wow. Still stuck, huh? well, I'll pick it up. Uh, I would say <laughs> probably um, one of the most important things that I was able to do on set was uh, save Anthony from breaking his legs. <laughs> I was trying to avoid that. <laughs> oh, wow. Yes, that's right. I, I don't recall. Oh, yo, you don't, do you? Nope. <laughs> My stunt expert uh-huh. had a scene in a tree, and they required some movement with the flashlight and the creature, and it was kind of busy, and the take was going very well until the actor starts to fall out of the tree, and the director runs into the shot to make sure he doesn't fall out and break his neck. That take is out there somewhere. I haven't seen it in a while, but it's out <laughs> so there. Basically, Paul had me sitting on the, the limb of a tree. We were, I think I was like 12, 15 feet up in the air. And uh, I was just wiggling around, messing uh, before the take. And then before I knew it, I was upside down. My legs were hooked over the branch. And then underneath me was like a pile of jagged rocks. They were like huge. They were all like a foot, two feet, like jagged rock. So Paul runs over to me. He's like, oh, God, I got you, baby. He like cradled me. He's like, you let go, you let go. Then I, I let go, and he like caught me and just cradled me and brought me back down. Weren't you able to like hook your leg around the branch or something to kind of save yourself? I was, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was like, so I'm sitting down like, like, like a trapeze artist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I try not to talk about that because now I, I work as a stunt guy now. Um, but I remember before this film, I was going to go to stunt school like a month after. <laughs> so it's kind of embarrassing for me. <laughs> So this film got your start into stuff. It stunt. did. It did. Yeah, we did. We did a lot of uh, fly by the seat of our pants type of stunts. There's a lot of fun. One of the coolest things. I, I don't know if we if ever made the movie, but we did some tracking shots where the camera guy was on the back of an ATV and we were just running and tripping all over sorts of stuff. Yeah, um, those were awesome. Yeah, that was a fun time. So Taylor, you you mentioned you were doing a lot of theater work before this. How do you compare, uh, coming from a theater background myself, on the tech side of things, how do you compare acting for theater to acting for film? Well, I mean, the biggest difference is you definitely have to, for the acting standpoint, you have to bring it down because you're not projecting to the back of the room. You have to be a lot more subtle. It's all sold in your face. Um, So I've worked with other theater actors and film that have done it longer than me um, or more experience in that. And some of them do have to really literally be retrained to like, tone it down for camera because the the way the camera captures it is way different than how an audience captures it. But with theater, it's like you're, and Paul did a great job with all the pre-production he talked about. So we rehearsed a lot, a lot, but in theater, you're ready to go. You know, everything in the back, like the back of your hand, and there's not a lot of waiting in film. You really have to wait and be patient and everybody's it's really a team effort because you have to wait for the makeup the lighting the sound and everybody to do their job properly so you can all perform um at a high level so um those would probably be the biggest differences but and i just really enjoyed the the medium of storytelling through film um as opposed to theater at this point um yeah you had cut out for a second taylor oh did did you miss the end of that no, but the one when you were talking before it had cut out. Oh, okay. It's all right. We'll keep we'll keep going. Um, what's been the cra- <laughs> and these magics throw me off? Um, <laughs> it's a magic moment. 
Um, <laughs> that's right. What's been the critic response to the film? I guess that's good. directed at Paul. <laughs> yeah, uh, good so far. So we um, we've been working with uh, Clint at October Coast, as you know. Um, and he's been able to send the screener to a bunch of uh, horror blogs, horror websites, you know, independent film uh, reviewers. And um, for the most part, I, reviews are pretty good right now. Um, we're not on Rotten Tomatoes, but I don't know what we would be a, a Rotten Tomato or a tomato, but uh, I think we're pretty good. I think uh, this is a film. Are are you shopping this out to different festivals, or have you shopped it out to festivals? Um, we did the fest. I, I submitted to some festival things. Um, I actually I, I did submit it to uh, Slam Dance. Um, that was the big one that I, I was hoping we would have a shot at because um, I think the criteria for Slam Dance was uh, first time feature film directors with films under a million bucks. I think is the requirement. Um, the Blair Witch category. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, we didn't get in, but, uh, yeah, slam dance was kind of the, the biggest one I had my eye on. Um, but not a lot of, uh, I didn't do a ton of submissions for festivals. Um, but yeah, okay. slam dance was the one I had my eye on. Speaking of, of, um, Blair Witch, uh, you did a couple in the movie. There were a couple of times you did switch to, um, the camcorder view, I guess you could say. Um, was that something that was in the script, or how, how did that come about? Um, so originally, I, I actually, I want to say I probably had more uh, handheld planned than what ended up in the final product. Um, just because with, with the way uh, filmmaking trends have been with, with the handheld thing, whether it was um, Paranormal Activity or, you know, any of these other ones after it, um, the, the handheld trend kind of became a, a thing. But as I kind of started um, putting the film together, I, I realized I didn't want I didn't want it to be a gimmick. Like I didn't want to do handheld just to do handheld just because it was hot, because at that point people would be doing the same thing and they would doing they would be doing a very hack job at it. Um, so if I was to do it and put it in the film, I wanted it to play a role. Like I wanted it to play an important aspect or important plot point as opposed to just doing it to do it. Um, but I think it plays very effective. I think we play it just about the right amount in the film. Uh, and it plays really well cause it is important to the plot as opposed to just doing it as a gimmick. Um, right. So I'm 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 happy with the amount we've done and what we did with it. Yeah, I think I think there was some good. You did some good stuff with it, like in you know the cave and everything, and I think that all worked really well. Ah, uh, yes, the cave. The cave uh, <laughs> at the end of at the end of shooting the cave. Let's see. I want to say. Let's see who's in the cave. I was down there. Camera guy was down there. Um, I don't think we probably were. I don't know if we had audio or not down there. Or we were labbed up. But Eddie was down there. Uh, one of the other actors, a few of the other actors were down there. Um, that cave, uh, by the end of it being in there like 10 hours or so, uh, I actually blew my back out. Because um, that cave was, uh, how tall was that cave? Five feet, give or take? Yeah, you had to be real hunched over. Yeah. 
So after ten hours of being hunched over, oh. being six foot one, uh, didn't I'll do it. Yeah. Eddie, you could stand up straight, right? <laughs> oh, just here. Oh. Just here. <laughs> so that was good. Th- this is a question for everyone. What do y'all ex- hope the audience gets from the film? I hope they're entertained at a minimum. I, I yeah, I would say entertained. I think I think it's I think there's a lot of great quality in the film. Um, yeah, and I think I think we have a good script. Okay, whoever wants to go next, I'll let y'all decide this time. <laughs> That's a great question. Someone go. Well, since Eddie won or Anthony won rock paper scissors, <laughs> he goes next. Oh man. Um, That's what happens when you're the only one playing. <laughs> right? What an idiot. Uh, well, I hope they get plenty of uh, me screen time and appreciate it. Uh, no, I I think I agree with Mike. Um, at the baseline, at least if they're entertained, that'd, that'd be awesome. Um, and I think uh, more for like New England filmmakers, I think uh, if they see this, I hope it kind of inspires them to go, all right, these guys can do it. Maybe we should start making some stuff too. Because for a while, there was a lot, there was a wave of like horror movies being shot in New England. Now it's just like, as far as I know, it's kind of died down for the indie film scene around here. So, yeah, it seems that way. Yeah. So if it could, re- if, if it could spark uh, like a whole, whole new wave of filmmakers to come out and start creating again, that'd be awesome. You know, just, I mean, we're just a handful of guys from New England trying to make our dreams happen. And I think, well, I think we accomplished it. Yeah, I would say um, I'd, I'd like an audience to kind of just find it to be, you know, a little bit of a thrill ride and, and take this little, take this journey with these guys, this group of guys on this island and maybe, um, I don't know, relate to some of these characters a little bit and just appreciate the story for what it is, you know? What about you, Tyler? Or Taylor? Um, yeah, I hope, I, hope, I, hope, I say Tyler. I apologize. <laughs> that's all right, man. It's, that's my whole life. Don't worry about it. Gino. Um, you can call me Gino. Yeah, call me Gino. Um, I, yeah, I hope they like, I, I really enjoyed the, the kind of twist ending and actually originally the original script, my character gets away with that camera and the footage. And so it's left kind of open-ended, like what's going to happen? What's he going to do with that? And literally just with Paul in his kitchen, us talking about it, working on a block, like just in all the, all the rehearsals and pre-production stuff we did, um, found that it would be more interesting to story to, to have all of them die, but the, the footage makes it out. And then it's even more interesting because who's going to stumble upon that? What's going to happen to it? Will anybody ever find it? So I'm hoping that kind of twist ending leaves that, the audience with that open-ended, you know, what's going to happen? Is there going to be a sequel? Is there going to be, you know, where, you know, I kind of like endings that end like that, where it's a little more open and you're not, you don't get that satisfaction of a completely closed wrapped bow ending, you know, Mr. Writer, director, actor. Yeah. Don't remind me. (laughs) Um, Yeah. For me, when it comes to film at its, at its whole base point is, is just about entertainment. Um, you know, kind of taking, you know, an hour and a half of your day and kind of leaving any of your worries behind or, you know, any of your problems and just kind of enjoying the world that's presented in front of you. Um, and for me, all the best films always have elements of everything in them, uh, whether it's, you know, combining comedy, drama, adventure, thriller, suspense. 
Um, and all the, to me, all the best films combine elements of everything. Um, picking the horror genre was interesting because for me, I always felt that, you know, the acting in general in the horror genre is always kind of taking a backseat as opposed to, you know, showing everybody blood and guts and way over the top, cutting off a of limbs. So, but I wanted to kind of bring a little bit of uh, character realism to the horror genre and trying to make all these guys a little bit relatable um, and try and add a little bit of depth. Um, so I'm hoping it's a story that people can like somewhat relate to, you know, to some of the characters on uh, to some extent that they can kind of relate to, you know, what they might do in that situation and how they might handle it. So, yeah. Derek, I mean, sorry, you weren't in there. I apologize. You're on my side. <laughs> I was on a roll. <laughs> I was on a roll. So how 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 were your voices after filming the movie with all the shouting and screaming and Shoot, a lot of that had to happen during ADR. Dub it and dub it over. <laughs> I remember all being right. in, was that in Charlestown. We had to be in that, that little sound studio. Yep, just going, just going berserk. I mean, it's fun. It's fun, but it's what happened. I mean, they couldn't really capture the sound that well on set because it was certain times it was tedious, right? I mean, yeah, that was one thing. Like the sound guys, and I always I had a lot of discussions with them because I I've always felt that sound played a really important role in the film as far as you know, what you hear and, and where is everything. Um, there was, there was a lot of like yelling and screaming and running. And the sound guys were like, we can't capture any of that, whether it's with a boom mic or whether a lapel mic, uh, that's all ADR. I said, okay. So a lot of the running you see, like in the film, all of the sound was in post, um, uh-huh. which was fun. Yeah. I would say ADR sessions were pretty fun. Yeah. All the yelling and the screaming. So did you find that you had to do quite a bit of Foley work as well as the ADR for some of the scenes? There wasn't a ton, um, but definitely like, you know, hearing like twigs crack or like things happen in the background. There definitely was some like cues. Um, we, I mean, yeah, we did some stuff in post, but some stuff was live too. Okay. So how, how did you guys get into acting or who inspired you to get into acting? Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, deep. That's the question. <laughs> I mean, I, I'll be honest. I always kind of fascinated about doing something in entertainment, uh, maybe becoming a TV star, movie star one of these days. I don't know. I always had that fascination. I was honestly an athlete in high school. I was just a jock. I went to a little public school in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. We didn't have a drama club or anything like that, so I couldn't really get involved. I didn't start acting until I was about 25. I got involved in the community theater in my hometown. Um, and I did plays for like three, four years, banged out a lot of plays, built up my resume, kind of transitioned that into film work, indie film, commercials, blah, blah, blah. I vote my inspirations have always been like, you know, I love Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt's my idol. He's, <laughs> he's always been... I'll watch all of his movies anytime. Okay. I can uh, see the resemblance there. It's the haircut. <laughs> don't, don't tell him that. <laughs> well, thank you, Derek. Great, Derek. He's got to move the bed again. <laughs> uh, Taylor, what about you? 
Um, well, I did theater very young. And then, um, like Eddie, I was, got much more into sports in high school. Um, and that was really my focus. And I guess kind of hitting the, my twenties was not sure really what I wanted to do. And, um, it, I guess it sounds really cliche, but I watched East of Eden um, and just was blown away by James Dean's performance and just what he could convey. And um, I just was like, wow, this is incredible. Like, I would love to kind of it tapped me back into that um, interest in it. And so I started looking into the local scene uh, in New England, which isn't very big, but um after doing like uh, one short film, I was lucky enough to meet Paul and that kind of got the ball rolling for me. And I've uh, just been in love with it ever since. Okay. Uh, Michael or Mike. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, for me, um, grew up obviously watching a lot of TV, a lot of movies. Um, and I mean, ultimately I, I started watching, I started watching a lot of HBO and I started watching the Sopranos and like, that was a huge inspiration <laughs> to me. Um, because, um, you know, what I would see on TV is kind of, kind of what I grew up around essentially. Um, you know, an Italian Catholic family, loud, you know, city life. So I related to that. Um, and I would say, yeah, I, I had a job. I, I think I was in like my almost my mid 20s. Um, I had a retail job that I was just sick of. So I started talking to my friend. She was like, well, what else do you think you would like to do? I said, I don't know, maybe maybe I can try acting. She's like, yeah, you want to, you know, have you ever thought about that? I said, yeah, I, I always have actually. I just never I just never actually told anyone. She was like, she was like, well, I, I think you need to have really good pictures. I said, okay. So then we found someone. She came with me. Uh, I got my headshots done um, uh, in, in downtown Boston, and then um, I just started like googling, like how how can I how can I get involved in this? How can I kind of break in or kind of make connections um, in Boston? And I started joining some casting sites and I started making profiles. And then I saw, um, yeah, I saw Paul's movie posting. I think I really got really lucky. Um, and I applied to it. And I think I just had a ridiculous headshot. It was more of like a, I think Paul would tell you, it looked like a school photo, I think. <laughs> uh, it, it wasn't a headshot. It wasn't a headshot. Um, but um, yeah, I guess, I don't know. I don't know. Paul saw something. So um, I actually met Paul in a Starbucks. He he always reminds me of the story. We met, um, I think it was like a weeknight. It was like nine o'clock in a Starbucks. And we sat down and for whatever reason, we just, we just hit it off. Um, I didn't know Paul from a hole in the wall. And uh, I think we were in there for like an hour and then Starbucks was closing. And then I think we chatted for like another 20 minutes in the parking lot. And to be honest, um, I did not think he would call me back. I, I just thought he was probably like, okay, like this kid doesn't know anything. Um, but I was like really grateful for his time because he sat down with me for like an hour and 20 minutes. And uh, he just like talked business with me. I think he just came back from LA at that point. Um, you know, so he had, he had some experience under him and I was just grateful for his time. And I didn't think I would hear back from him. Okay. Now, hold on a second. You guys are from New England, and you were in a Starbucks and not a Dunkin' Donuts? <laughs> well, you know, you know, Paul's from Linfield. Take it easy. Uh, <laughs> Mike's the Starbucks guy. Yeah, yeah. I, it, really? Not Eddie? I don't, I don't like Dunkin' Donuts. Pretty sure Eddie goes every 365 days a year. I would say Eddie's the Starbucks guy. Honestly, <laughs> he, he and Eddie met at a Dunkin'. Well, before we oh, get wow. to you, Paul, I got to ask, Mike, do you not like Dunkin' Donuts because you're afraid you're going to get picked up by a cop since there's so many around them? Uh, no, no. Uh, I don't like Dunkin' Donuts because um, 
because like the coffee gives me heartburn to be truthful yeah <laughs> it's too acidity i mean yeah oh shots fired that was Hashtag Duncan. Duncan. Yeah, yeah. Eddie, Eddie, I'll never get that Duncan ad now. I guess it's all yours. <laughs> some people. No, I, that's the thing. If you like coffee, then some people just have their coffee because they need their coffee. But if you actually like coffee and need your coffee, you go to Starbucks because it's so much more consistent, the taste, the flavor. I mean, you pay $2 more per cup, but, you know. If you want a good cup of coffee, you go to Starbucks. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll leave the coffee to you guys. I, I can't. I can't do it. Tea, a whole other issue. Coffee, no, I can't. Just can't. Love me some tea. So, Paul, how'd you? Who? What inspired you? Who inspired you? Um, you know, like like most of these guys, I did some theater in college. Um, a couple years after college, I landed in LA for about five years. And pretty much for my whole time in LA, I, I just felt like I was grasping at straws, you know, whether it was like doing all the classes, trying to find the auditions on the websites, the headshots, and just, you know, I kind of felt like I, I was spinning my wheels and I wasn't in control of like my own career. And after coming back home, um, that was just kind of one of the things that kind of stuck with me is like, if you're going to succeed at doing this, like it's it's on you, like relying on other people or waiting for that phone call. You know, you could be waiting forever and still not get that call. So at least if you're going to fail, you might as well fail on your own terms as opposed to like failing because someone didn't call me or I didn't get the audition right or, you know, like if you're going to you know, screw it up, at least do it yourself and not rely on other people. Um, totally so that, so that kind of, for me, when I, I kind of brought that home, you know, after kind of learning everything I did, um, it was either like fold and move on or, you know, pick a project, go all in and see where it gets you. And, uh, so that's what we did. You know, I, I found a, a great cast and crew, um, that were able to help put this together. Ben and the, uh, the, the creature department, absolutely knocked it out of the park uh and they did such an awesome job it's more than i would ever even hope for um arguably the best creature suit ever built in and around the boston area and uh when i realized i could do that here is when the game changed for me because there's nothing more that i hate in, in a horror film or a creature film uh, of sorts where the creature really sucks, where your payoff is not that good. I, I said, you at least got to show the creature, and the creature's got to be pretty good where your payoff is like, all right, spend 10 bucks, and that was a pretty cool creature. I saw what I needed to see, and that was great. Um, one thing Ben kind of you know was saying to me is he's like, you know, this creature's awesome, it's amazing. He's like, do me a favor. Don't show the whole damn thing in the first five minutes. Then there's no reason to watch. And I, he's like, you're going to want to because it's awesome, but don't do that. And I was like, all right, I won't. I won't. So it sounds like he advised you. It's a phrase we, we coined with a, another uh, independent film group that we uh, had interviewed. He was recommending do the less is more approach with the creature. Yep, absolutely. Um, you know, it's it's the Jaws argument. You know, it's 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 not necessarily the shark that's scary. It's the idea of the shark. You know, it's, right. it's the music, it's the POV, it's kind of all these other things around the shark as opposed to the shark itself. Um, so it's it's the telling of the creature. It's the story of the creature. Right. Um, like I always I always thought uh, like Super 8 was, I thought, a pretty good flick. And then you got to the end and you're like, oh, OK. Now, I, I will say, well, yes, I, I did enjoy seeing the entire look of the creature near the end. 
I I liked personally when the creature puts out the campfire about halfway through and all that smoke coming from it and you see him silhouetted and all that. That's probably my favorite shot of the creature in the entire film. Less is more. Yeah. Or or when you could just see like his eyes glowing or Yeah. Funny thing about the eyes, um, we did. We had a contact technician on set, uh, which was kind of a last-minute recommendation from Ben. So Dave, uh, in the creature suit, uh, he had never worn contacts his entire life. He's got perfect vision. And the guy was like, you know, 30 at the time. And so the contacts we put him in were like super thick, like Halloween you know, drops and colored, and they, they were pretty wild. And uh, the one thing Ben did advise, again, was he was saying that do yourself a favor and have a contact technician take them in and, and put them in for him. He's like, because I was on a set one time kind of playing a creature, and someone put contacts in my eyes, but they also, like, worked on set, so their hands were dirty. Ooh. So, like, uh-huh. he kind of had a problem with his vision uh, going forward. Um, so one of his strong recommendations was having someone there to kind of really take care of the, the contact situation, uh, which someone, we did. With- someone dedicated to it. Yeah. yeah I, I, I understand mm-hmm. the pain. I, I wear contacts myself. And, yeah, you get you get dirt or grime on them. Or near your eye as you're messing with it, it's yeah, worst pain ever. Yep. So I, I can't even do contacts, so <laughs> I can't I can't get them. I I have a thing with my eye. I can't touch my eyes, and <laughs> it, oh, wow. it, it took me it took me a couple of weeks to really get used to it. It was more taking them out mm. than it was putting them in. Yeah. So, uh, Anthony, I want to ask, how did you go from acting to stunts? I fell into it. Get it? Oh, that's so bad. I know. Right? <laughs> I Paul, thought it was but good. Paul was there to save you. You got that toilet flush? <laughs> that's right. Um, yeah. You know, actually, I'm not going to acting stunts actually kind of go hand in hand and both performing um i don't know i've always kind of been drawn to like jackie chan charlie chaplin they're very physical actors um yeah stunts have been around i mean before sound if you think about it like charlie chaplin the silent movies um oh yeah and i've just kind of been good at uh the comedic side of uh performing so kind of like where'd Mike go? He died. Oh, I gotta plug my phone in. He fell. <laughs> <laughs> I'm plugging my phone. In. So I've always been more on the comedic side of things, and I actually joined the circus with Ringling Brothers Barn Bailey Circus as a clown. Um, so I started as an actor and became a clown with the show. And then when I left, uh, I didn't know what to do with myself. So I, I asked a former clown, I was like, well, what do you do from here? And he's like, you can either become a birthday party clown or a stuntman. I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, think about it. You cross train on everything, high wire, trapeze, you fall on concrete, fall downstairs. And I was like, oh, I am built like a stunt guy. So, <laughs> so I got into stunts. So the only other option would have been pro wrestler. <laughs> would have been what? Pro wrestler. Pro re- oh, yeah. That, I thought about that. That would have been cool. You do some martial arts, don't you? There you go. I do. I don't think I look good oiled up, though. You know, I've got some extra weight on me. So, so when you were... <laughs> So when you were with Ringling Brothers, you were down here, my neck of the woods. I was. Saint, I know. Saint Pete well. area. 
Yeah, yeah, it's, that's our training grounds. Because every show mounted out of Tampa, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, it was the Tampa State Fairgrounds is where we yep. had winter quarters. Yeah, yep. we trained yep. there for yep. six weeks and get the show ready. Yep. Yeah, and before that, before even getting into acting, I never wanted to be an actor. I was actually a sound tech with you. Really? Yeah, I, I ran sound for um, like dance competitions and concert venues. Uh, long story short, they were there's a local theater production. They were short. Uh, on some actors, and they were looking. They were doing, I think, Midsummer Night's Dream at the time, and they were like, "You want to audition?" And I was like, I, "I guess." And I, I got the part of uh, Bottom, and uh, yeah, people were just like, "You're you're you're kind of good at this. You should give it a shot." So that's how I got into acting. Yeah. Acting's never been my thing. My brother started off as an actor. Um, yeah, went. He was in. Uh, we used to live in Elmira. My family used to live in Elmira, New York, and there was a professional off-Broadway show up in that area. And he auditioned, was one of the, the kids, uh, ended up from there at the American Boy Choir School in Princeton. After that, ended up in Natick at Walnut Hill School for the Performing Arts. Oh, damn. Um, halfway through his freshman year, decided he didn't want to act anymore and became a lighting tech. <laughs> <laughs> he went the opposite route. That's cool. He went the opposite route. <laughs> so cool. So, uh, but yeah, ended up graduating from uh, Walnut Hill there in Natick. Mm, that's so that's awesome. Um, what's next for you guys? Mm. Auditions. <laughs> <laughs> All right, always auditioning. Paul, it sounds mm-hmm. like you got a winning group here. You need to create a new film for him. <laughs> Let's see the sequel. <laughs> yeah. Grips is <laughs> resurrection. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I mean, uh, what's next? I mean, I, I'm always kind of writing things. You know, we've done a bunch of little short films together. Um, you know, always kind of checking out the Boston scene and what everyone has going on. Um you know, there's a bunch of good film festivals here, a bunch of always little projects going on. They're building bigger studios all the time. A uh, bunch of huge projects are coming through. Um, always got our eye on something, you know? Okay. Taylor. Uh, well, I just recently actually moved out to California. Um, I was looking at Atlanta and here because Atlanta is really booming right now. But I just didn't really I didn't know anybody in Atlanta. So and I just didn't like um, didn't want to do the New York City scene. Um, but I mean, it's just almost just as expensive out here. Um, so I'm trying giving this market a try. And um just trying to connect with people out here and yeah, it's just auditioning, throwing your hat in the ring in as many different places as you can. You never know what project you're going to do, how it might succeed. I mean, I've done some projects that I've just did not grasp the concept that were really out there artsy things, but you never know what an audience or niche group of fans are going to relate to and what might blow up. So um, it's worth kind of trying everything if all the production elements are, are there for you to invest in. Um, so I've just kind of tried to keep an open mind to to um, any opportunity that seems like it's um, worth the time with good people. Uh, what about you, Eddie? Oh, um, well, uh, I don't know. For me, I mean, I've been doing this now for probably solid six or seven years. Um, I've dabbled in a ton of indie film I haven't had any luck in any bigger kind of like Hollywood projects or anything like that but um commercials are pretty much my bread and butter um that's that's what I do out here in New England the the scene here in New England in the Boston area is very much commercial um I I don't know I'd love to break into the New York market if I if I could 
if I could like maybe find a rep or a manager out there that would send me out to auditions there or whatever. But I guess, yeah, for me, I just, I've been auditioning for some of this, for some of the film and TV that's coming through Massachusetts. But like I said, I haven't had any luck with it. I'd really like to start audition for some, uh, I guess, bigger roles, stuff in TV and film, you know, okay. if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, if not, there's always furniture moving. Sorry. Easy. I could always do that. <laughs> I could always do that. <laughs> yep, so, see what everyone else missed except for Paul? It, it, it's, it was the two, three minutes of him rearranging background of his room that he's in. <laughs> Just oh, to yeah. get a bed out of the way. No, that's because I, I thought we were actually, I thought you were recording the video. I didn't know this was just a, a podcast. No. Somebody needs to give me a heads I, I up. I have Chinese food behind me. Oh, yeah. huh? <laughs> but I have food behind me. I could go for some Chinese <laughs> So Yeah, you're just okay. in your glorious New York City apartment there, aren't you? Derek, so any other questions? Uh, yes, in fact, awesome. I have uh, the most important question uh, that I could ever ask you guys. And that is uh, for my fellow New Englanders there. Uh, uh, how much snow did you get on that big storm month that we got hit with? What was it? Wait, I'm sorry. I missed the question. How much snow did you get on that big storm we got hit with on Monday and Tuesday? Sunday and Monday. 18 oh, inches. Not stop. bad. Really? <laughs> you guys did not get 18 inches. Uh, we got like, I, I'm in Providence right now. We got like maybe four or five. Lucky. <laughs> Yeah, I'm in Worcester. Well, yeah, you got, got you got hit big up there, didn't you? Yeah, I think we had like 10, 12 inches total between the two days. But uh, I actually flew out to Atlanta oh, halfway through the snowstorm. I didn't think I was going to make it. I had I had an Uber driver pick me up in Worcester, drop me off at Logan. We were struggling to get there. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad. Usually, as soon as the first snowflake hits, I, I usually go to L.A. or Atlanta somewhere. There's no snow. Good for you. Must Good be for nice. Everyone. Yeah, it is nice. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I hate shuffling. All right. Here, here. Well, I agree with you. <laughs> My girlfriend loves it. I'm like, you can take care of it. That's cool. <laughs> you guys you guys are all lucky as far as I'm concerned. So I live in uh, Gardner, which is about a half an hour north of Worcester. And I got about uh, – it's up near Mount Wachusett. Yeah. Oh. And uh, I got 25 inches in two days. Ugh. What? Ugh. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. <sighs> That's yeah, awesome. that was. This is I why I live in Florida. <laughs> <laughs> That's insane. I didn't realize parts of New England got whacked that hard. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think Monday and Tuesday is supposed to be like in the fifties, so hopefully it all melts away for you. I know. Well, I don't know. Two feet will probably stick around, but some of it will melt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, where can people find you guys on the internet? <laughs> I'm all over the interweb. <laughs> hey, does not IMDB, Instagram. Yeah, I'm, I'm heavily on Instagram. If you follow me at Ashton Anthony, I, I do a ton of stories, like at least at least a handful a day. Um, I'm pretty active on Instagram. Uh, yes, or if you, you are. <laughs> I, I also train with the stunt group uh, in New England. Uh, we shoot some uh, like basically proof of concept videos. Uh, we call them test fights. So um, if you look up, if you on YouTube and look up David LaValle Jr., he choreographs and shoots a lot of our fights and designs our action. Uh, so I'm in a lot of those videos. Okay. Uh, Taylor. Yeah, I mean, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all that stuff. I'd say um, 
Anthony's definitely the most active. Paul and I are probably the least active. Um, <laughs> but I'm trying to post more. Um, so, uh, yeah, IMDB, all those. Um, and just trying to uh, put yourselves out there um, as much as possible and following Crypsis movie and reposting that kind of stuff, too. So hoping people see it and enjoy it. Hey, good plug. That was a good plug there. That's right. At Crypsis Movie, right? At Crypsis Movie <laughs> on Instagram. That's right. That's right. And the Facebook is it at Eddie Nason nineteen ninety at AOL? <laughs> no, I have Google Mail now. We all we all know this. Eddie has had an AOL account for a long time, like very recently. Yeah, same thing with a smartphone. He got one like two years ago. He had like a Motorola. He was a flip phone. It's amazing. So what was that? Eddie has a. Compusor get a flip phone, but, yeah, oh yeah. Hey, wow. <laughs> are you are you still on MySpace too? <laughs> I, I never had MySpace. Uh, I, I would have gotten in trouble with MySpace. That's like, why but... it failed. Sorry, Eddie. It's just so easy. <laughs> I know. I, I really get it all the time. You, you you gave it to us right from the start. <laughs> right on cue. <laughs> so, uh, Paul, what about you? Um. I, yeah, no, I'm not great at the social media thing. Collectively, we're not great. Um, I would say, I would say, uh, with helping market and promote Crypsis, um, I mean, I just learned what a story was, so <laughs> I'm a little behind on the times. Um, What's a Dropbox? <laughs> That's right. Um, but uh, yeah, like Instagram, I aim to be Facebook. You know, I got Twitter, never use it. Uh, I've never snapped on the chat thing. Uh, Mike, Mike doesn't have. Sound like Bill Belichick. <laughs> yeah. Or, or something Bill uh, Tom Brady doesn't do. Sorry. Anthony's Anthony's snagging screen grabs right now and putting this on his Instagram as we speak. I bet I did that at the beginning of the interview. Okay, <laughs> how did I know? When I first met Eddie, yeah, it was a flip phone. Um, might have been a Nextel beep beep. I'm not sure. Nope. <laughs> but I remember sending him the script, and he was like, "Yeah, I don't really check my email. I check it like once a month." <laughs> we're, in, we're in a lot of trouble, aren't we? <laughs> You got better, though. You got better. I did. I have my iPhone 6. My iPhone 6. <laughs> now, you don't still have the 6, do you? I do. <laughs> right. It's going strong, baby. It's going I strong. I don't understand how it still works. Because <laughs> I take care of my things. That's why. Uh, I'll admit, my daughter has an iPhone 5 that she uses as a touch. <laughs> okay, just for music? Then uh, that's cool. But yeah, that's for music iPhone. videos, but not for a phone. Yeah. If we if we decide to add her to a phone, uh, she does also have an iPhone seven that she's been using as a touch as well. Mm. So as long as you have a nice phone, then she does. It's okay. I do. I have an eight. My wife and I have eights. Because I'm sorry, I'm not paying a thousand to fifteen hundred dollars for an iPhone. Right. So <laughs> yeah, it's so expensive. Just me. Um, thank you guys for coming on. No problem. And, uh, Thank you. If y'all want to hang out for a minute or two after we do this wrap up, uh, y'all are more than happy to. Um, but until next time. Want to know more?
bad crowd you've been hanging out with is a science fiction club? This has been a Weeby Geeks production. Two, four, niner, five.